This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hundreds of miles behind the front line in Lviv, homes and streets are destroyed by a Russian hypersonic Kinjal missile that travels five times the speed of sound. Five civilians are killed here, among them the owner of Elsa the dog, who appears wounded and distraught. A reminder that nowhere in Ukraine is out of range. We were hoping they were alive, but they're not. Russia says it was revenge for an attack on Russian territory, which Ukraine denied doing. One year into the war, Ukraine's leaders still appear stunned by the enemy's brutality. It's not a war. It's not a special operation. It's genocide. It's been a rough couple of days. Of course, it's been a rough year in Ukraine. And uh, yesterday, as we mentioned uh, on the show, 80-some missiles fired into the country all over from east to west, north to south. About 30 or so were shot down, but a whole bunch got through, knocking out a lot of the power grid as usual. But Ukraine continues to uh, amaze in their ability to get the power back on after those attacks, but just completely indiscriminate attacks. You know, killing random people, it's uh, its uh, not the sort of stuff you're supposed to do in warfare. And uh, I regularly check in on Mike Lyons when he's uh, on CNN or wherever I can catch him uh, discussing what's happening. And he's a great follow on Twitter, by the way, at Mike Lyons. He's our go-to and has been uh, through the entire war. Mike, welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, Jack, great to be back with you. Thanks for having me. Um, I got a number of different topics I want to get to today, but... Um, First of all, what's what's Putin hoping to accomplish with reining in 80 missiles in one day? Seven seven hours of air raid sirens going off for right. the Ukrainian people. Yeah, about 20,000 tons of munitions, if you kind of do the math in terms of what was fired, given the size and weight of those um, those missiles. Um, I, think, I think two things. Number one, 
take uh, take uh, attention away from Bakhmut and the fact that they're losing on the ground there. They're not able to take that city. <clears throat> they're not able to ne- to negotiate obstacles. Is what I'm learning now is bridges are being dropped by the Ukraine side, not the Russian side, as they're trying to reposition forces there. And 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 the, even the Wagner Group, the the mercenaries, the the higher paid guys have better weapons. Have really, if you know, they they can't retreat if they, if they decide they're not fighting. They're going back to the to the prison someplace. They're losing on on the ground. They're not able to take that. So so what he does is he shifts and he he, he reverts to the strategic mission. Wars of attrition. You attack the other side's capability to wage war. Go after Ukraine's ability to keep the lights on. And that's what this is. What that's what this is about. But but he doesn't sustain it. They they they, they happen. And if this was the United States again, if this was the United States doing this against uh, an enemy like this, we would be firing twenty five hundred of these sorties a day, and it wouldn't stop. It would be a barrage. It would go on for days and days and weeks and weeks. But Russia doesn't just have the capability to do that. But it's enough to rain terror down on on uh, the Ukraine citizens. So since you brought it up, uh, the, the the reason I really wanted to have you on uh, when I thought of it a couple of days around the Ukraine topic is this whole Bakhmut thing, because I saw you on CNN talking about it. Um, why is Ukraine fighting as hard as they are around that town that a lot of people say is not that strategic, or do you disagree with that? No, it's not strategic, and I, I don't know, And other than it's just their emotional attachment to it, and that's just not good from a warfighting perspective and that's a lot to ask for your young men and women to be put in that situation that uh, you know you can't win because uh, they, they're still outnumbered they're still outgunned artillery wise and and that's the u.s and, and western you know precision munitions that are keeping it in but you know it's just about how they feel about that town it's hamburger hill it's about they just don't want to give it up and um, but at some point there'll have to be a pivot. And um, you know, you look at a map, and Russia is somewhat enveloping them. They don't have enough troops to say fully surround them. Um, there's a way to get out. They have to decide that they don't want to leave the 4,500 um, behind. It's it's part of a communications war. They don't want to lose that. They don't want to have Russia get this propaganda win on the ground. So as long as you know, I'm sure that the, the Ukraine military higher ups are constantly asking the people on the ground there, what do you want to do? And I think what's coming from the bottom up is, you know, we're staying, we're defending. And uh, that's admirable, but but at some point, protection of the forest remains uh, a top priority. They're going to have to get those people out of there. That's interesting. I saw you t- tweet this out from the art of war. He will win who knows when to fight and when not to fight. So you're suggesting right. it just strategically is not a good idea to, to put all that emotion, energy, material, and everything like that into something that's not strategic. No, and if you look at them on the map again, this is a very map war, right? I mean, it's bubble geography, and, and uh, their, their defensive positions they have that can they could fall back, let's say, twenty kilometers from there. They've been preparing them for the past eight, nine years, frankly, since that uh, what happened in twenty fourteen. So they could, you know, it, they fight to to win, you know, they they survive to fight another day, and and then again, we turn this kind of hamburger machine around or this fodder thing because the russians can defend just as well as ukraine can defend if, if all of a sudden ukraine decides to go on this offense um they're now going to put their young men and women in this situation of throwing them into defensive positions that the russians have had and made and maintained in a while and and no one wants to see that happen too so so the president's going to have some real Zelensky's going to have some real hard choices to make about an offensive, about what he wants to do, about where we're going to stop, you know, all, all these different things. And we still, we might be at the very beginning of the beginning still of it, too. You know, Russia, like I've said before on the show, they could still be just warming up. So I had three things I wanted to talk about today. That's Ukraine, which I could talk about for hours with you. 
But pivoting to China, there were a couple of reports we were discussing this week about whether or not the United States military is ready for great power conflict in the years ahead, particularly around China and China being is, you know, getting more belligerent every day in their rhetoric. Gallup poll out the other day, only 15 percent of Americans have a positive view of China at this point. I mean, it's just it's two giant countries that are really, you know, eyeing each other. Um, are we are we up to the task or do we really need to get up to speed to be ready to if we have to take on China? Yeah, it's a good article, Wall Street Journal, about that. I, you know, it, it all comes down to how it starts, right? What what does that conflict look like? And maybe it's already starting. Maybe we're already at some kind of we are we're, we're an adversarial competition. But where where it, where it starts? Does it start in cyber? Does it start in the Pacific? Does it start against the Navy? Does it start against? Is it a kinetic blow that the Chinese do against U.S. forces? Right? I mean, what what, what does that look like? You know, China with a billion three, we could we couldn't even make a billion bullets. Right, we can't we can't kill them all. That's not a feasible alternative. And and as as this thing goes down, um, is it going to be over Taiwan when we come to the the, the protection of the Taiwanese? Um, there are tactical tasks that we have to do in order to um, overcome some of those things. For example, um, the Marines have already changed their doctrine. They've gotten rid of their tanks. They recognize they're going to go back to being Marines. They're going to go back to worrying about 50 miles from the ship that they get dropped off from. Um, in the past 20 years, they were too worried about missing out on ground wars, and they were they were trying to get involved in Iraq and doing things that they probably shouldn't be doing. But but this is focusing our military back to Marines doing what Marines should do, and the Navy's going to do what the Navy's going to do. So I think I think number one, it comes down to where how it starts and how we have to be prepared for that. But because I can tell you how it ends, it ends we're two and zero in world wars for a reason. And I can tell you that when the United States decides to crank up its industrial military complex and decides to, you know, everybody clears their desks and does nothing but focus on an enemy, it doesn't go well for whoever that enemy is. That uh, particular last 20 seconds will be the clip we play later. We often replay parts of your interview later in the show. We are 2-0 and in World Wars. That's a, that's a great statement. Um, and then one other thing before I let you go, and maybe we'll talk more about this next week uh or after but you know we're we're at the 20 year anniversary of the uh invasion of Iraq in yeah. 2003 in March of 2003 what are your thoughts on that whole thing looking back from the vantage point of 20 years later was it a good idea was it a bad idea was it a good idea but poorly executed what are your thoughts now it's turned out to be a bad idea you know 20 years later to generation now and you know when when the secretary of defense has to go there and still, you know, do this kind of corkscrew landing in, at the airport uh, to, to be afraid of getting shot out of the sky doesn't tell you a whole lot about the security there. It's been a failure. I think I think that's that in Afghanistan, one and one a number. You know, already we're not off to a good start in foreign policy in this in this century. Um, I think that um, the world's become a different place. The hegemonic power now within the Middle East looks like more and less like Iran now. I read today they're cutting a deal with Saudi Arabia. You got the Chinese involved. Like we, we can't be pushing Saudi Arabia towards that that uh, that that pole. We can't be pushing them in that direction. Um, Saudi Arabia wants uh, everyone has a number, right? So Saudi Arabia has a number that they want us to pay them in order for them to be aligned with Israel. Because where the conflict starts in the Middle East is when the Iranians have enriched uranium to ninety percent. And they have weapons-capable um, uh, platforms ready to go. They can. They have the. They have the uranium, and they can deliver them. 
And the Israelis are just going to go. They're not going to ask permission. They're not going to go to the U.N. with photographs. They're not going to do any of that stuff. They're just going to go. And that, that, that war will be a tinderbox. will be lit very quick um, because that's how that will go down. So at the end of the day, um, Saddam, you know, the Saddam was a bad person. It was a bad neighborhood. And the, and the sons were going to be a lot worse. And maybe we were going to have a conflict with them at some point. But if you go back 20 years, if you had to say it, um, it's turned out to be a mistake. Interesting. Glad I asked. We'll probably be talking more about this in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I, uh, well, it doesn't seem like it's getting better with history. You know, some things, uh, uh, start to look better throughout time. Some things start to look worse. This one doesn't seem to be looking better throughout history. We're not learning. We're, we're repeating World War One in the, in, in Eastern Europe right now with, with, uh, the mine, with the minefields and the trench warfare that's taking place there, artillery war, who, whoever thought that would happen again. I'll tell you right now, buy defense stocks because they're all going up because for the next 10 years, all those Eastern European countries are all going to get new NATO-based, U.S.-based equipment, and that's, that's happening. So, so the, again, the industrial military complex is cranking up. It's going to crank up for the next 10 years, and it's, uh, you know, hit the history cycle repeats. Wow, your stock tip of the day from Mike Lyons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, at uh, M.A. Mike Lyons, that's your Twitter handle? M-A-J, 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 okay. Oh, I'm Major, okay. At Major, M-A-J, Mike Lyons. I follow you on Twitter. I got you bookmarked, so that's the way I look it up. Um, I always like to hear what you have to say and check you out wherever you are and appreciate you coming on today. Thanks so much, Chuck. Thanks for having me. That's interesting. A stock tip, Mike Lyons. Oh, boy, a grim stop stock tip for Mike Lyons. I liked all three of those conversations. Hanson, we got to grab that for later. That needs to go in the clips of the week when we replay it later in the show. We're 2-0 in World Wars. We got to keep that going. Anyway, uh, you can join in the conversation anytime you want. It is uh, our text line, 415 295 KFTC. This whole Trump indictment thing, I hate even talking about this crap because it's nothing, or at least it's nothing yet. But if the mainstream media is making a giant deal uh, of it, I feel like we need to respond at least a little bit, which we will. Stay tuned. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. Do you have an entire row of seats just to yourself? Oh, this is called a poor man's first class. A what? Well, I bought one ticket for myself, and then I bought two fully refundable tickets on this row. That sounds expensive. No, because 45 minutes before boarding my flight, I cancel my two fully refundable tickets and get 100% of my money back. But won't the airline just fill these seats then? 90% of the time they don't, meaning I get this whole row to myself. And all you paid was one normal ticket. What's the catch? There's no catch. Just make sure the two additional tickets are fully refundable. Might make you a bit of a jerk if there was anybody that really wanted to be on that flight and couldn't get a seat because it was sold out. But yeah, I could see how that could work if you bought all three seats in a row, fully refundable tickets, and then you cancel them shortly before the flight takes off. Most of the time, as he said there, 90% of the time they don't refill them, so you get the row to yourself. Of course, if everybody did that, there'd be a lot of, of uh, very empty flights and uh, and a lot of people that don't get uh, on the plane. But yeah. You know, if you're willing to be cruel to the rest of humanity, there are a lot of shortcuts that work. I can think of many. Uh, Get a fake handicap placard and park in handicap spots. Hey, for instance. Um, I just have no interest in another Trump might be indicted story. Honest to freaking God, how many times has the New York Times... Or MSNBC, mainstream media said Trump is on the verge of being indicted. I mean, seriously, dozens and dozens and dozens of times. It's to the point now that how do they not how do how are they not embarrassed to say it? But I flipped on MSNBC last night and I saw some this morning. Donald Trump close to an indictment, according to sources in the New York Times. Really, you can say that again with a straight face, even though all the times you've said it about so many different things, it hasn't come true. You can say it again. Someday it may happen, but seriously, you're going to play this game again. This is the story that got the conversation started in the last 18 hours. New York Times, big, giant front page story today. The headline is prosecutors signal criminal charges for Trump are likely Then the paragraph right beneath it. The former president was told he could appear before Manhattan Grand Jury next week if he wishes to testify, a strong indication that an indictment could soon follow. There are two coulds in the freaking headline. And when you get further into the story, there are a lot more could possibly, sources say, um, uh, isn't impossible that, you know, that sort of stuff. And that's why these things almost never happen. This is all around the Stormy Daniels thing, by the way. The least interesting of the of the particular uh, potential indictment stories that exist out there to my mind i mean if there were an indictment around election interference in georgia maybe you get uh, a, a a chunk of people that aren't already trump haters because you got the hate trump already love trump no matter what you got that other crowd though that could go either way depending on the facts um uh, election interference if you had the right facts eh, it could have an effect on people um, uh, you know, something with, well, in fact, that might be the only one that could even possibly leave a mark. This one certainly doesn't. You find out that he paid Stormy Daniels to keep her mouth shut about an affair. How many people are concerned about that story? Anyway, I want to hit you with this. Mark Halpern in his, um, I think, brilliant political newsletter that if you like politics is worth reading every single day, said this about the New York Times story. First of all, pointing out all the coulds, possiblies, wouldn't wouldn't surprise me ifs and that sort of stuff as opposed to facts 
in the story around the potential indictment. Mark Halpern lays this out. One, Trump hasn't been indicted yet and might not be. Two, an indictment could be thrown out well before any trial. Three, any trial, even if it were to happen, is far, far away. Remember how slowly this happens? This is all over something that started almost four years ago, 2019. Almost four years ago, it started before it even gets to this point. So any trial would be a long way from now. And you might be talking about um, the Republican nominee uh, for the White House, or actually a sitting president by then. An indictment could help Trump politically because of the backlash, absolutely. And as the New York Times says itself, if there were an indictment, it would be based on a novel and complex legal theory. Right. As the story gets more watered down the further you go in it. So that's what all the mainstream media is jawing about today. Uh, I'm glad you have those facts handy as you take in that info. We're going to talk to a guest named Joe Getty coming up. If you miss an hour of the podcast or the show, get the podcast. Armstrong and Getty. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, we're expecting to have a guest on Joe Getty. He's of a popular, semi-popular radio show and podcast, The Armstrong and Getty Show. So um, he may join us a little bit later. This poll I want to talk about with him or later Ipsos USA Today poll that's getting a fair amount of attention where a majority of Americans consider woke to have a positive connotation, the term woke at this point. Now, it did in the very beginning. Remember when when woke became a term the first time you ever heard it, it was all about we're finally waking up to you know some of the realities of American life and this and that and race. So it's a good thing to be awake. I think we would all as opposed to asleep. But um 
I think for most of us, well, anyway, people I hang around and most of you listening, I imagine, uh, woke has become something else. The USA Today Ipsos poll released on Wednesday found that 56% agreed with the more positive definition of woke, understanding it to mean to be informed, educated on, and aware of social injustices. That's what woke means, according to 56%. For 39%, a smaller number, the word was associated with to be overly politically correct and police others' words. Um, I wish they'd have had a box to check half a nut job. To me, woke means you're half a nut job. That's the box I would have checked. Um, these measures, of course, break down along party lines. No surprise there with Republicans more likely than the Democratic counterparts to have a negative understanding of wokeness and to consider it an insult. Let me know when Joe gets on there, uh, Michael. Um So the reason I brought that up is this. I just came across this from the Atlantic, which often does stuff that I just freaking love and often does stuff that I just couldn't hate more. Hold on just a second. Um, The Atlantic has got an article out about Shakespeare. The title of this article, long, long as everything in the Atlantic is practically a book, All of Shakespeare's plays are about race. And here's one quote from the story. Shakespeare's work, the collection argues, was central to the construction of whiteness as a racial category during the Renaissance. And white people, in turn, have used Shakespeare to regulate social hierarchies ever since. So they're looking to Shakespeare, at least in this article in The Atlantic, as kind of the fountainhead of white supremacy that has been going on since, when did Shakespeare do most of his writing? Late 1500s. That's a a new view of the bard that I don't think most of us considered. We have talked somewhat over the years about how it's getting more problematic to have uh, Shakespeare taught in class, but that's usually got more to do with uh, misogyny and, and and that sort of stuff. But Shakespeare being the place where white supremacy started, that's a new one. We're going to have to look into that article and dig some more really, really stupid quotes from it to talk about it at a later date. Let's welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show, Joe Getty. Joe, how are you today? Uh, I'm fine. Can you hear me? Does this Space Age app that we're trying work? Hello? Uh, Is there a reason we're trying a Space Age app instead of you just being on the phone? Because the connection was super sucky. Oh, really? Well, where are you? Maybe that's the thing. You're, uh, in, you're, you've been kidnapped by a Mexican cartel. No, this morning I woke up and I smelled the DeSantis. I'm in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I think DeSantis is in Iowa, but. And, and, you know, I was just, uh, I flipped on MSNBC here in the hotel room. We're going to go to the ballpark for a little spring training action in a bit. But um, the headline on blanking MSNBC, baseball cannot ignore DeSantis's culture wars. So some people find baseball being in Florida problematic, that that flaming bull S word. And so now they're trying to pressure Major League Baseball, who they got to bend over. Boy, I'm really saucy this morning. I am really. I apologize. Um, are you half they, in the are you half in the bag? I'm at least half in the bag. Yeah, there you go. I had a mimosa, then an Irish coffee. Then a then Bloody they, Mary, then back to the mimosas. <laughs> exactly. The Holy Trinity. Um Anyway, so, yeah, Major League Baseball, which, uh, of course, uh, submitted to the idiotic pressure to take the All-Star game out of Black Atlanta and put it in Lily White Denver. Um, now they're trying to get them to move spring training out of Florida. It's just idiotic. Really? Anyway, well, uh, judging by the, the bit of the MSNBC uh, uh, segment I was watching, 
Um, yeah, there's there's some academics or well, something that want to drive everything out of Florida because Ron DeSantis is clearly Satan. Well, I was about to, uh, you know, ignore this completely, but that that's what I thought when I first heard about moving the All-Star game out of Atlanta, and it actually happened. So um, the willingness of sports in particular, to, in particular to cave to a minority opinion is uh, is amazing. Yeah, yeah, discouraging. Wow, yeah. but so what's the particular DeSantis thing that they hold up as, as so evil you can't have spring training there? Oh, and I think you realize, it's... does everybody realize if we go down this road, we won't be able to function as a country? I mean, it's just crazy. Well, if you oppose, if you dare oppose the farthest left uh, ideologies, whether it's, you know, the, the gender stuff and the queer theory and the, 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 the drag shows in schools and critical race theory and the rest of it, they will punish you, period. Any resistance will be punished. Yeah, it doesn't seem as uh, eye eye catching or ear grabbing as uh, at least at least they had a good uh, simple argument, even though it was completely bogus in Georgia. In Georgia, they don't let black people vote. It's the new Jim Crow. We're not we're not going to allow baseball in Florida because they're not teaching queer theory in fifth grade. I mean, that doesn't have quite the same ring to it. Well, right, and oh, they could, and again, it's an utterly ridiculous argument. They're, they're, and I just saw part of the segment, but I'm sure they made reference to uh, DeSantis knocking down that AP uh, history class that was, was super woke, right. and so right. now they're portraying it as they won't allow the teaching of black history in Florida. So, And, and it's an interesting you know, uh, phase we're in, the post-truth world or whatever you want to call it, that your argument doesn't have to make any sense whatsoever. The only important part is that you're aggrieved and angry. So um, I, I got to bring this up because uh, I know you like it when uh, people notice you being right. And I, don't oh. know if I'll, and I don't know if I'll be able to talk to you later because you're going to be so drunk. So uh, we, a, a colleague in the radio industry, I won't mention her name because uh, uh, I don't know if she'd be cool with that. But a colleague in the major player in the radio industry sent me a text last night saying, wow, Joe was completely right about this cartel thing when they found the five dudes tied up in the truck with a note saying, we apologize, please don't come and get us signed the cartels. And it was addressed to the U.S. federal government um, exactly as predicted on the Armstrong and Getty show. Well, thank you. Thank you for recognizing my brilliance. No, I just... It, you, you see these things happen enough, and it's just its age. It's Isn't that experience. something, though? So they yeah. got these five poor dudes tied up in the truck with a long note saying, hey, these are uh, renegades who went against the rules. We never hurt anybody, um, which is hilarious. Um, yeah. But they aren't in the business of hurting random Americans. They aren't. They're not out to kill random Americans. They want to make money. Their goal is to make as much money as possible. That's what a cartel is up to. That's just like the, you know, what the mob is up to in New York. They're not killing for fun. They will willingly kill and torture if it's going to make them more money. But that's the ultimate point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And and who knows if the original story is correct. And, you know, I have no reason to doubt that it is that these uh, these people unknowingly went through some sort of checkpoint in a disputed area of a town. The cartels are trying to control. And these guys probably did what they were ordered to do. But now the heat is so hot. Uh, the cartel boss said, all right, pick five guys who aren't particularly useful or no seniority or who knows. Maybe they drew straws. All right, you five, you're busted. And it's just ugh, well, it's so, business. Well, what I wonder is how much of a role Lindsey Graham and Attorney General Barr played in this when they were talking about treating the cartels like we treat terrorists, like we treat Al Qaeda. 
I mean, that had to get their attention. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you bring as much heat as you can to the middleman, so they're really feeling the heat and really, really communicate that to the people they're in contact with. It's like, it's like you know, if we're funding a, a rebel group or something like that, we, we can't control them exactly, but... You know, if they want to keep the arms flowing or keep the sweet deal the cartels have going, they'll cooperate when they need to. And sure enough. Hey, so. so you didn't want to go down this road. I'm going to take us down this road a little bit, whether it's fair or not. So here, so there were four people abducted there in Mexico, four Americans that were there for some surgery, they say. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them for some surgery. Two of them are dead now. One of them injured, but the other two alive. We got them back. There was a fifth one we didn't know about until yesterday. Oh. She decided to not cross into Mexico. She was with them on the trip, but she didn't want to go into Mexico for whatever reason. She was interviewed yesterday. Among other things, she said this. I want the world to leave us alone and stop being mean. I want them to have a heart because everyone has a past. Everyone has a past. And I said, I'm I'm not sure what she was talking about there. And I I moved on to some other things that she said. Well, we got this text. The lady with the four friends that got abducted, abducted in Mexico was talking about everyone has a past because all these people that got abducted uh, had a long rap sheet with drugs in a variety of ways. I don't know about all of them, but I know at least one of them that I read that. And that has something to do with the whole story that we may or may not ever hear about. Well, the Mexican government is saying they're looking into that angle that these people may have been trafficking drugs. The Mexican government's saying that. Now, they may have said that because they didn't want to have it look like, you know, American tourists are now being slaughtered in Mexico. Um, so they have a reason to make that up, too. Or, or is there anything to this story? Yeah, I don't know. I, I read something about their their rap sheets, as you so street wise put it. You know why I'm um, talking that way? Because Robert Blake died. I'm talking like Beretta today because Robert Blake died. Please don't slap me around if I'm a bad guest. <laughs> you jive turkey. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, I, I read a little bit about their rap sheets and I thought, OK, that's interesting. Uh, I who knows? Who knows? Maybe they were trying to, to, to get a significant amount of drugs to bring back home, or, or maybe the, the gal who was a little softig was just looking for a tummy tuck. I don't know. No, why, no why, idea. What, what, why did well, that? People don't get tummy tucks because they're thin. Let's be realistic <laughs> here. People have died. It's time for plain talk. <laughs> oh, God. Um, uh, that distracted me. What was I going to say? Oh, so I said at the very beginning of this story, when we really didn't know what was going on, like on Tuesday morning, I said it would actually be good news if they were secretly dealing drugs, right? Because we'd all rather, okay, there, there was a reason they got in this trouble rather than I'm just crossing into Mexico to buy my blood pressure medicine and I end up getting murdered by the cartel. So kind of for the public and for mexico and everything else it might be good news if it turned out they were drug dealers i guess yeah you know that's kind of a weird thought but you're you're correct you're absolutely right anytime anybody dies the rest of us look at the the the, uh you know how events unfolded and are desperate to come up with that one or two things well i wouldn't have done that because it makes us feel safer and and if you can just be suddenly randomly snuffed out for merely setting foot in mexico that's that's scary but, you know, if you just don't deal drugs, that gives you agency again. And now you think, ah, okay, I'll go to Cabo and I'll have a little uh, vacation. I, he- I heard the water running there. So you were drinking the whiskey. No, neat, but you decided to put a splash of water on. That's a good idea. Um, so I'm trying to wash away the shame. <laughs> what distracted me with your Zoftig comment is I ran into a guy t- told me this story yesterday and I thought it was kind of funny. He was uh, 
he was talking about how he's so much less angry and everything anymore for a variety of reasons that I won't get into. But he was like really proud of himself that this lady had cut him off in traffic and and uh, or he had accidentally cut a lady off in traffic. He didn't see her. It was an accident. But uh-huh. she was flipping him off and honking her horn and everything like that. And he just he just saw, you know, you know, she's angry. I did something wrong. Have a nice day. And he was talking about. You know, how when I was younger, man, I'd have wanted to pull over and get into it and everything like that. And he was really proud of how mature he was and how he handled it. Then he said, and what was she going to do, fat me to death? I thought, okay, you're not quite you're wow. not quite as enlightened as you think you are. That's unkind. <laughs> well, you got you to gotta work your way up to being Gandhi or the Dalai Lama. <laughs> right. So he's like, he's like, you know, eight rungs out of ten there. And he just, right. you know. Baby steps. And <laughs> take one personal shot at her in the store. For some reason, well, uh, you got to vent a little bit. Yeah, he's he's on his way to Gandhi. Yeah, but. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't uh. fight her, but you called out her body shape. Okay. Um. <laughs> well, he didn't yell it at her. No. Though, right. No. He was he's just, just telling you. <laughs> there you go. Um. I, I give him full credit. Will uh, Will we be hearing from you later, or is this it? Is this is all we get. Yeah, I think so. I've got to get. Uh, I'm I'm here visiting a, a friend of mine who is a uh, a major league umpire, and um. And so he's got to get to the ballpark early. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have some time to kill. So I'll, I'll give you a shout from the park if this cell signal's any good. So you gotta walk, or we the, can get back on this cool, hip new 21st century app. You gotta walk the seeing eye dog around the block before you go to the ballpark. Wow! Is that the way? Wow! Isn't that the, childish and idiotic? Isn't that here? the classic taunt to umpires? No. Oh man. It, you know what? It, when I call you, if I'm able to, uh, we can talk a, a little bit about that gig and how challenging it is and life on the road and stuff like that because. Um, it's, it's, it's not easy. I'll bet. I'll bet. Uh, anyway, thanks for calling. We got a bunch of interesting stuff to talk about. If you miss an hour of the show, get the podcast Armstrong and Getty on demand. Armstrong and Getty. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
Okay, you ready? Right here, buddy. Oh, how many people do you... How many flight attendants today? We have today? six. That is all, please. Did you bring us treats? That is so sweet. <laughs> yeah, we like our treats. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know what? I will share them with the other flight attendants that are in the back, and I will <laughs> let them know. Little girl brought candy for the flight attendants. That's so dang cute. Little kids are so freaking cute. Oh, my God. Um, Rush Limbaugh. Oh, there's some uh, positive economic news, which is bad news, right? Good news is bad news because if you get good news, like a jobs number out today, it's bad news because the economy is still humming along and we need to kill the economy. We need to smother it with a pillow. We need to do like Chief did to Jack Nicholson and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Get the economy blacked out so that we can get inflation down. I think that's what's going on. We're going to talk to uh, one of the great writers and economic thinkers, Jim Tankersley, to kick off Hour 3. So that's coming up a little bit later. But um, I don't know if you saw this story. Rush Limbaugh sold his home. Well, he's dead. So he didn't, uh, you know, he didn't actually sell his home. Uh, but he uh, he sold his home for, sorry, it disappeared from my screen, which sucks because I got some details that I want to hit you with. Uh, he sold his home for uh, $5 million. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Of course, he, he has a living as a more expensive home than $5 million. $15 million. No, not, I'm sorry, not $15 million. I got that wrong. It's $50 million. No, I'm sorry. That's not the right number either. $155 million home. That Rush Limbaugh was living in $155 million. I didn't even know there were homes that expensive. It's in Florida. It's only a couple of acres. Because oftentimes when you hear about giant numbers for homes, it's because it's on, you know, a thousand pristine acres of oceanfront property or whatever. But it's only a couple of acres, 2.7 acres, waterfront property there in Florida. $155 million. He purchased the home in 1998 for 3.9 million. Wow. So 25 years ago he bought the house for 3.9 and now posthumously it sells for 155. Jeez, real estate can be a great investment and it can also go the other direction as we all know. Uh 16,600 square foot mansion was the main building. Then there's another I don't even know what you call it next to it. That was almost 3000 square feet. Then another thing, I don't know what you call it either, which was 2200 square feet, kind of right behind that other one for a combination of 13 bedrooms and 12 bathrooms, 250 feet of oceanfront views. Mr. Schnurdly, a two story library an additional four guest houses. If somebody wanted to spend the night and a guard station for 24 hour security, which you definitely needed if you were Rush Limbaugh. Um, he must have had prenups all the way through because he was married four times and he bought that place or was living in it at the end uh, when he died from cancer. Of uh, He was with, living with his fourth wife. Wow. $155 million home that he paid $3 million for. All from talking on the radio. I am going to be interested to discuss the economy with Jim Tankersley in this whole weird when we get good news, it's bad news thing because the Fed's going to have to raise interest rates to continue to try to choke off the economy because inflation is killing us all. And it's still hanging around, what, 6% every month? Oof. 
Much to discuss. I hope you can hang around. If you miss an hour, you can get the podcast Armstrong and Getty on demand. If you got a question or a comment, you can text us 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.